Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, and typically from the Big Apple in New York City, but my guest host Adrian is missing, so I can't really say that. Welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks on 26 global audio video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio. Oh, should I go on? No, I won't. A lot more than that. Uh, in fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two on Feedspot at the top 60 and number two on, on CaringVillage.com. I had to think there for a minute. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Toxic or not, your mother will ultimately need a caregiver. Yeah. So if she tells you that you are the only one she wants and for some reason she becomes terminally ill and you have to be the guy... Uh, how's that going to work out? <laughs> How much will you have actually healed to say yes to her? Well, Dr. Guy Akuri uh, is currently promoting his new book, Toxic Mothers, A Son's Guide to Healing and Moving On, Finding Virtue, Integrity, and Love, One Rule at a Time. Before we get started, I want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Dr. Mark Sims, is the hearing loss physician. He helps patients to effectively treat their hearing loss so that they can connect better with their family and friends and remain independent. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com or any of the other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. Okay. Enough of that guy. Welcome to the caregiver Dave show. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks so much. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Dr. Guy Curie and why was he placed on this earth? Yeah. Why was I played? It took, a, it took a long time to figure that out and I still haven't figured it out, but uh, it, you know, for the most part, uh, I have been born to teach. I think at any time I learn something new with my next, my next sort of thought or ambition is to teach whatever it is I'm learning. And so, uh, it was really obvious to turn this book, uh, to turn my life into this book, just because, uh, it was pretty traumatic. What, what transpired, Throughout the whole experience. I've yeah. heard a million stories about uh, mothers. I'm sure. And usually it's mothers and daughters, but um, typically because the mother usually wants the daughter, not the son. So are you an only child? No, I have an older sister. I had an older sister and an older brother, um, but happened? they are both deceased as well. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's why you're the one. You're the chosen one I, that's left. I am. Well, yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> so really, in a course of eight years, I lost my sister, my father, oh my, my mother, and then my brother all in that time. Yeah, it was pretty tough, tough time. So. Wow. Uh, what was your relationship? ship like because typically you know you hear the saying uh daddy's little girl and mama's uh what is it mama's Ma mama's boy yeah mama's boy yes yeah so were you a mama's boy uh not per se but i mean if you talk about toxic mothers she 
was certainly looking for an emotional surrogate, you know. So yeah, I is mean, she, she is was she still around, by the way. No, sir. She oh, okay. no, she passed as well. And then my brother did thirty days later. So you You're know, all and, alone. You're an orphan. I, I am an orphan in the truest sense. Yes. Are you married? So, I am. I have two children and okay. uh, my wife of thirty, almost thirty nine years. Wow. Yeah. I'm 47, 47, 48 years. So it's not That's, easy, is it? No, but congratulations. That's well, awesome. at least you have somebody and you're not totally all alone. So uh, let's talk about your mother's relationship first. Um, how did it start? Where did it veer off course? And was it ever fixed? So my my mother really had a traumatic oh. childhood and oh. I don't think she had the tools uh, or even the time and resources to handle that. And so uh, she really did try her best. And she was a really loving person and everybody on the outside loved her. But she had some real uh, dark skeletons that, you know, showed their... Uh, was she born in this country? She was. She was born in Ohio and uh, it... If you've ever read the book Hillbilly Elegy, that was her life. That was her I life. I have never read that. Give a, a quick uh, synopsis, uh, cliff note version. Well, it's just the it's just the Appalachian, Appalachian, whatever you want to say, Appalachian, Appalachian. kind of culture of uh, I don't know, impoverished, mm. struggling, sort of Beverly Hillbillies who never made it to Beverly Hills. Yes. Yeah. So, but she, um, she had children young and she, uh, sort of tried her best, but in the, in the process, I think she became very toxic and, um, my brother and I, especially just, we left at about age 18. Uh, and really I chose to go to North Carolina and really never kind of interact up there in Pennsylvania. So, so it affected you at what age? Um, well, it was affecting me all the time, but I became aware of it as I realized that she was, uh, that other people had, I don't know. And you were how old? Better life. Yeah. I was about 18, 17. So I went away to college and tried never to go back. So, so yeah. uh, you had some, the fi- family had financial difficulties, I'm assuming. Um, we did, but you know, my father was hardworking and my mother, my mother didn't work until she was 34 and she didn't drive until she was 34. Uh, but she ended up doing okay financially. So that and was your, nice. your father was not able to buffer that emotional, uh, problem that, uh, you guys all had. No, he had issues of his own. I mean, oh. he was being, you know, he was having his own flings and they stayed married, it. but it was, yeah. Well, I'm so yeah. sorry to hear that. And, um, yeah. So when did you uh, have to care for your mother and when did you start realizing uh, and having compassion for her problems and forgiving her and, and all that good stuff? I think those are two different questions, the, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I got married when I was 20 years old. And so uh, and when I realized that I was becoming just as toxic as she was, Mm. I really got into therapy and things. And so I really realized that 
it was more important for me to forgive and move on and heal and to make myself better, especially, I mean, thinking about your show and what you do, we, we have to be the best versions of ourselves if we're going to care for somebody. And I I was, you know, there was no way I could have entered into that situation, but she, uh, so I went away, but as all of the people in my family died and had to be taken off life support and cared for, I realized I didn't know anything medically or I didn't know about caregiving, like what you do. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I sort of took that on because my sister was disabled and I was actually planning on taking care of her after my parents left, but she was the first to, to pass away. So anyway, long, long story to say, I, I tried my hardest to make the best version of myself and, but but also maintain boundaries uh, sure. for my own family and my own protection. But my mother, uh, maybe five, four and a half years ago, uh, contracted ocular melanoma and then it metastasized. And she had estranged herself from my brother, who was the only other living person in my family. And so she came to me and said, would you would you care for me while I die? And I said, yes. I mean, unequivocally, but knowing that I had healed enough from all of her shenanigans to enter into that situation. Yeah. You were both going through some tough times. Yeah. You lost all those people, but she lost them also. Right. Right. She sure did. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. That's, and one of your uh, sisters was disabled. Uh, you just keep adding things to the cake, you know, and, and pretty yes. soon you got a mess. Yes. Wow. It's a miracle. You're, you're still alive. It's a miracle that you are as sane as you can to carry on an intelligent conversation. Sane is a good word. (laughs) How, how involved was your wife in either motivating you, giving you ultimatums uh, to fix stuff or um, just uh, what part did she play in all this? So, I mean, she was really, I mean, we have a great marriage and, Early on in our marriage, it was apparent from our own infertility that I had big issues. And she really supported me in in working through those issues, knowing that they would, you know, have long-term payoff for us. Did you say infertility? Yes, sir. Did you adopt your children? uh, No, they were actually born through a process called embryo biopsy. That's another another show. You looked for help. Okay. Yes. And, uh, but anyway, after that, she was very supportive of my own family because my parents just weren't good caregivers. You know, I I worked on myself a lot, but I didn't know about much about caregiving. My parents didn't do either. And they were trying to care for my sister. And my only solution as I became successful was to give them money to get a babysitter or a temporary caregiver so they could, you know, have some relief. And that was really my only help for them. Did that uh, no, because no, they didn't want it, first of all, and they didn't use it the way they ought to. But my wife was in much, she was in great support of that. And we also were, were saving to be able to care for my sister once my parents sure. were gone. So what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a teacher, a teacher educator, and I morphed myself into an author, uh, for various and sundry reasons. Because yeah, yeah, teachers so. don't have a reputation for making a lot of money. Unfortunately, no, my, it's the administrators that make all yeah. the money. No, my wife has a great job and great. we were able to, to be responsible. So, 
So you seem to have a sense of humor, I think. <laughs> How did that <laughs> happen? Uh, you know, <clears throat> I think truly from healing, sort of what I allude to in the book, you have to embrace truth but you don't have to, you know, get embittered about it. For example, my mother just didn't want anyone to know she was terminally ill and she was living in this retirement community. And I was visiting her every other week in Arizona from North Carolina. And uh, she just insisted that no one know that she was dying, but she was wasting away and getting really small. And we went out to dinner with a, gr- a bunch of her friends and this man came over and he he had like millions of gold chains on and he was dressed like sort of like Vinny Barbarino, (laughs) Vinny Barber. His name was Vince. Vinny Barbarino meets, you know, I don't know, Joe Pesci, Mr. T. Yes. And he, I said, mom, who's that? And she said, Oh, that's Vince. And she said, he's sweet on me. And I said, well, does he know you're dying? And I whispered it to her and she said, no, he doesn't. I don't want him to know. I don't want anybody to know. And she was getting all surly about it. And so I just leaned into her ear and I said, you know, if he's sweet on you, he better up his game because he doesn't have much time. And it, it totally broke the ice, you know, and you just have to have, you have to embrace the truth. You you whispered that, didn't you? I did whisper that. Yes. So it broke something in her and she changed her attitude. Yeah, she said, you know, and that was really the beginning of her kind of seeing my perspective, that it's hard for me to have all these people coming through her house and me pretending that I'm visiting every other week. I mean, what son does that, you know, so. Only a good, good son. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they involve they involve like hospice care workers and my mother's friends and even my mother, you know, and I think you need to find the humor and things right away yeah you either uh, laugh or cry right absolutely how did you handle the emotional ups and downs you know it's not easy being a caregiver i don't have to tell you that now uh, I, both of us you know we were kind of drafted into it it wasn't on a resume weren't prepared and then uh, somebody comes along and says oh you got to put your oxygen mask on first got to take care of you first Yes. You mean be selfish? You know, That's a dirty word, isn't it? You know, and so how did you start learning that you have better change your ways or, or you're going to die? Because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. That's Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That and many sense. more become sicker than the ones they're caring for, eventually needing a caregiver of their own. So you're one of the lucky yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I need to say is I wish I had heard or listen to the program caregiver Dave. I mean, I it, everything was new. Me too. I wish I would have listened to my program when I was a everything. Caregiver. It was, you know, and I had really done the personal work of my heart and, you know, being nice and kind to my mother and I wanted to face the truth, but just, you know, wills and, you know, funeral homes, and just all of that and insurance and uh, it just was a really tough thing, but I, I, I learned, I think by, by doing that I needed time. And so I actually, without my mother knowing, I hired her friends to come and babysit on a regular basis. And so when I was there for a week or even the last month completely, 
I hired her friends and paid them. And I went swimming or I slept or I went to Arby's, which is my favorite restaurant. Uh, you know, just things like that to sort of have some time where, you know, or, or even to talk on the phone where my mother wasn't concerned that we were talking about her. You know, I just needed that time away. So that was really my one thing that I did to survive was to make sure I had time for myself uh, away. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Okay. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Hey, we're back with Dr. Guy Akuri. Interesting. That's Italian, right? Yes. Interesting name. And... um, so let's fast forward. What would you have done differently now that you're so smart now and, and you know now what, if you knew now, if you knew then what you know now, I'll get it out, right? Um, what, what would you have changed? What would you have done differently? Uh, how would that have affected you, et cetera? Well, you know, my mother was toxic, but I think her terminal illness, uh, it softened her and uh, it, and it also kind of limited her the way that she could respond. Uh, but she really, uh, she and my brother had a terrible relationship. I wish, I wish I could have helped them reconcile, but both of them were just in this sort of vin, vin, vindication mode of, you know, the other one needs to admit guilt and be miserable. And so, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't be in the triangle, but I think I would have helped them reconcile uh, because it was a terminal illness. But uh, there's a lot of other things I would do differently. Like I I would really challenge some of the things that she did. uh, And I'm glad that I was open and honest with her because some of them, some of them I did challenge, like she, she moved in with a guy and they bought a house together. Wow. And it was awkward. Uh, and they weren't married, but he had children and she had children. And so I just said, you know what? I don't want any of your money, but you need to have a trust for this house because I have no idea what, what's going to happen. Who's going to go first, 
you know, so, and that was good because he was actually got agreeable? sick. Uh, no, not for a while, yeah. but once he, he started getting sick, then they said, oh, well, maybe we need, you know, this. And so, yeah. yeah. Wow. And the, the other thing is, is I would have forced my mother to do more fun things mm. while she, she had, you mm. know, while I could and learned how to take her, you know, I took her to Disney world. I took her to see her friends uh, in Ohio and Indiana and Pennsylvania, but it was really uh, the only thing she did when she really did have energy to do other right. things. But what a nice boy you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, well, it is what it is. So I, I'm grateful. We, we ended up really reconciling and having a great relationship. And uh, another thing that I would, I would uh, do differently is she made me promise not to have a, uh, a funeral or a memorial or anything oh. like that. And I, I just think it, it serves a purpose for other people. It's for the living. It's for the living. And so, you know, well, you did it anyway. Uh, I, I, yes, I did it anyway by not doing it. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't do it. Uh, and I regret do I regret not uh, doing that because it was tough. I mean, I, I, I bet had you had a phone. lot of people calling you and saying, well, when's the service? Or, you know, when can we pay our respects? Whatever. Yeah. And, and no one knew actually. So they would be for four months. I had her phone oh my. on and they would call and say, Hey, where's Hazel? And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. She's deceased. So it's, you know, it was a, it was a tough battle, but I learned so much about caregiving uh, that when I met you, I just, I just said, you know, people need to prepare mm. their themselves either to be a caregiver or to have someone care for them. And okay. So you're hard. recommending to others listening that if their uh, loved one says, I don't want a funeral, just, you know, let me fade away in the night. Um, you're saying you wouldn't have done that now that you know what you know. Right. And you wouldn't recommend that anyone does, does that. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no. I, I, I'm saying I, I think I would have done something to honor her, whether it's, you know, write an memorial. obituary, a memorial or something like that. And, you know, this book, the book that I, I wrote, it started off to be really dark. But I, I put it on the shelf and wrote this one in, in her honor, truly, to mm. sort of say, you know, she came from really horrible circumstances, did the best she could. You know, it affected me. But it, out, out of all that, I think good can come. And so I did that instead of, you know, have so, a big memorial so service. So tell us the name of the book again, because there's a very long subtitle, right? <laughs> well, the sub the subtitle was given to an agent who was repping my book, so I'm not uh, I'm not married to it yet. Uh, <laughs> it's it's in the process of being published right now. It's called Toxic Mothers. Oh, so, so it's not out yet. No, it's yes, it'll be out. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to launch it on Mother's Day. Oh, so that's yeah. nice. Yeah. So uh, tell us the title again, uh, as it to is. Right now. Toxic Mothers: A Son's Guide to Healing and Moving On. Okay. And so, and the, and the other, the other is finding virtue and love and integrity yeah. one rule at a time. The book really helps men, especially, but people who read the book to understand how they become toxic and how they respond to toxic input. 
and then how to undo it by looking at the rules for life that they create for themselves. And so, uh-huh. and that's why it's one rule at a time. As we, as we become aware of these rules we live by, we can change them to be less toxic and we can change them to love others yeah. who um, are toxic. Is this your first book? It is. Yeah. I, I'm, okay. I'm start, I've started a second one, but yes. This is the first and one. where did you get the motivation and the expertise? I mean, uh, is it easy to write a book? I mean, I, obviously I've written four, so I know, but we're talking to people out there who really mm-hmm. need to write a book, you know? I, I, you know, I absolutely believe everybody has one book in them at least. Sure. Uh, and I, you know, my whole life mm-hmm. I have written and wanted to communicate. And so it, it was a real natural sort of outflow of, of what I did, but I, I really feel like I took the time to think I, I can present this information. I'm an educator and I, I just, easy for you to write. the way I think. Yeah. 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 So I, I've, I've written in many styles. So how this did you different. decide whether to self-publish, find a publisher, et cetera? And obviously you found a publisher. Who's the publisher? No, no, I, I, I have not found a publisher. Oh, still, I, in I the, have, still in the process. Yes. I have several, uh, peop, several publishers that were interested, but I don't have a really big social media following. I so they're, they're kind of afraid to take that on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going the self-publishing route, uh, and it, it shouldn't be long because I have a team in place already. To Are you working to on, your, um, on your platform, your media presence? Uh, I have a website called... Uh, it's just www.guyarcuri, G-U-Y-A-R-C-U-R-I.com. And on that is a, it's a, it's a platform. If you opt into it, you can download this hilarious uh, assessment, whether or not you have a toxic mother. Uh, and all of the scenarios on there are personal and true. Uh, but it also takes, it compiles research into scenarios that help you understand what it means to be toxic. But I also do men's retreats. I do online support groups, whatever. Oh, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a nice website. I write a blog, that kind of thing. Now, typically, uh, I've always counseled people that if they have a toxic family member, that they should avoid them and stay away from them. And so are there any occasions where um, if you had a toxic mother, uh, and she wasn't going to change. And, uh, you know, the reason that you left was because she was toxic and, and now she wants to come back into your life and she's still toxic. I mean, would you give different advice for a situation like that? It's a really good question. I think for me, my advice is to try to heal as soon as possible and, and also to really... Uh, understand that when you're healing, it doesn't mean that you actually have to reconcile or be huggy, huggy poo with your mother. I don't think that is, uh, you know, part of healing is deciding whether or not that is an appropriate relationship. And sometimes it's not. And, uh, but it doesn't mean you aren't healing. And it doesn't mean that you can't untangle from the sort of holds and and toxicity that she has on you. Yeah. I'm speaking from, uh, from personal experience here. I have a a family member who has been toxic and, and uh, many times this person would say that uh, my words would uh, hurt her and her words would hurt me. And so um, 
we came to a, an, an agreement that she wouldn't uh, communicate with me and I wouldn't communicate with, with her. And that's our detente, our peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any hope for us? <laughs> are, are you asking? Yeah, uh, I am. So for, for me, uh, you or know, for anyone else who's in a similar situation, who's tried a million times, you know, to, to reconcile, but maybe this person in their right. mind is, is just irreconcilable. I mean, they even have, that's what divorce lawyers about irreconcilable mm-hmm. differences. Right. Whatever. And so, uh, uh, I, I th- it's not I think my wife, that- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I, I think that it, it's important to to in my book. I outline this process about identifying these things called rules to live by, and you know when I think about you and and this person uh, in your family, you're you're each saying things that are hurting each other, and each of you has a sort of rule in mind about the way life ought to go for you, and it's okay to want things to go your way, it's not okay to insist that those things go your way inappropriately and demand it and put that demand on someone else. And so my book teaches how to identify those rules to live by that are coming at us and that are coming out of us. Mm. And so, and in there, I think there's more opportunity to reconcile. When you realize that this person that you said, so uh, a young lady that, you know, if you can recognize what her rule to live by is, then it takes the edge off of the, I don't know, irreconcilable differences a bit. And, you know, if if she's just inappropriately insisting that you meet her in this way, you know, your only recourse is to decide how you're going to internalize that demand. Are you going to make it a toxic response yeah. or are you going to create your own virtue and, and response? So. Thank you. I think I might get something out of your book. Um, again, how can someone get a hold of you and how can they eventually get your book? You can go to www.guyarcuri.com and uh, opt in if opt in if you want. I also have Facebook uh, at hashtag Guy Path, P-A-T-H. Great. And, I yeah. can't believe how fast our time has gone today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And Thanks, uh, again, a reminder, all our live shows become recorded podcasts and videocasts on all our platforms that I mentioned earlier. And don't forget to check out our membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership, so free membership support community with lots of tools, resources, free gifts, as well as uh, my Facebook page with the same name, Caregiver Dave. And um, uh, please click the like button below on whatever platform you're watching or listening on this It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine. So again, to all my listeners out there all over the world, thank you so much for tuning in twice each and every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. Look for our podcast on your favorite platform or on caregiverdave.com. I have a book coming out soon. It's called Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. It's in pre-sale. The more people I can get to uh, reserve their copy, It'll all get dumped into the date, uh, May 5th, the launch date. You'd be doing me a personal favor by uh, helping me to get number one. Just go to Amazon.com and look up Secrets from the Hammock. Thank you so much. And it's a great book, too. you really enjoy it. And I am plan on making an audio version uh, with my own voice. So until next week, same time, same channel, 
May God richly bless you. Bye-bye.